Hey guys, this is Byron Horton with the Whitetail Experience Podcast. We are trying this for a second time. Some technical difficulties on David Ebright's end. I'm going to blame him every time. Anyways, so today we want to talk a little bit about some, um, oh, we don't have really any turkey updates, but let's, let's talk deer hunting because that's what we like to talk about. That's what we're all about. And Dave had a pretty cool, you know, 2019 season from hunting out of state to trying saddle hunting to missing a buck, killing a buck. Um, and so we're just going to kind of cannonball in. Uh, Dave, welcome to the podcast for the second time. Yeah, exactly. We feel like we just did this. <laughs> quit banging around over there. You're making terrible audio. I'm not even moving. Okay. Anyways, so we got into the topic of uh, hunting out of state or, or, you know, tackling multiple buck tags at one time as far as do you, do you travel? say November 1st through the 5th or, or, you know, a key time in the year when you could stay at home in your home backyard where you have the most scouting experience. And I'm somebody that likes to kill in my home state before leaving. And you kind of talk about the hot, the, the positives to, to leaving and then kind of banking later in the year to kill in your home state. Go ahead and elaborate. Yeah. I just think that um, if you don't, if you don't travel um, even, you know, before you've killed at home, you're not even in the ball game to kill in multiple states you know i mean if i mean we go years here without killing here like you know often so i mean if 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 you bank on that theory you, you'd never hunt anywhere else you'd never get to get out there and explore and i feel like you're not even in the ball game if you don't travel to other states when the hunting's good you know that's why i like to go to some of these other states you know that late october early november area the where i have my best chances um and then you know just kind of bank on that later rut or even late season you know we got the gun seasons and stuff here in ohio that we've you know lucked in the bucks in the past during and you know you just if you if you wait to kill here before you leave i i feel like you're not even in the game yeah and like my counter to that is you know, by going out of state, say earlier in the rut or during some peak hunting times, is you're losing out on your best percentage times. You are making a shit ton of noise over there, Dave. Quick kick in the box or whatever your phone's on. This is you're going to get us a bad review, anyways. Um, you know, by going out of state, you're you're spreading yourself too thin, and and you're not going to get the job done, and you're going to blink, and the season will be over, and you have no buck tag filled, and. Um, Obviously, the ideal situation would be if I kill here late or early in November, kind of like we missed two, two bucks like November 2nd this year. Then we could have really cannonballed into another state and had a good chance to kill two. But um, I just I, I'm very hesitant to to jump around and, and not get the job done at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I get what you're saying. You know, it's just I like to jump around a little bit and, you know, have those chances in other states. I mean, all it takes is one day, you know, in another state. I mean, you know, just – I just – I like being in the game. I like having the chance to kill in multiple states and without having to, you know, bank on me killing here early. Yeah, and I will say this about buying the out-of-state tag, and, and we really discussed this early in the Whitetail experience, not so much last year, um, but, you know, is it allows you to kill the buck that you hesitate about because you essentially have a second tag here in Ohio, we only got one tag. Yeah. So, I mean, you got that one, you know, that one that's borderline. Yeah. You're not as, you, you know, 
if I would have shot all the deer that were borderline in my entire life, I'd have a, you know, a pretty good wall of bucks, you know, you as well. But, you know, we were passing on decent bucks waiting on giants because we obviously grew up watching the, the hunting channel and thought that we had to shoot, you know, mega studs. But, um, you know, if, if I would have just realized that like, Hey, if I shoot this here, I could go over next door to Indiana or Kentucky and, and keep hunting. You know, I, I think we would have shot those bucks throughout the years. Yeah. I do think the one buck tag here in Ohio kind of, uh, I think it's a good rule. Don't get me wrong, but I think for the guy like us, like first couple of years out of college where, where I would have been plenty happy killing say a 110, 115, I was passing a few of those deer and I would have learned a lot from attempting to kill them and maybe harvesting them. You know, maybe I get cracked at, at, at full draw or something like that. But it, I feel, I sh you know, looking back, if I would have killed a, a two of those, just even two of the maybe four or five that I had in bow range and, and good killable opportunities, I'd been a better hunter and my wall would definitely look a, a touch better as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, like you really hit it there with like the uh... – you know, making yourself a better hunter because you almost need, you know, you need practice, you know, killing deer with a bow and you, you really, you can't get it because you can only shoot one buck a year in Ohio. So you don't, you know, and then you always hold out and you just pass and pass and pass and pass these good bucks, you know, throughout the years because, you know, Ohio does have big ones. Um, so you just never get, you, you can't practice when a big buck comes in if you're not shooting them. Yeah. And I will say this, the first, first decent size doe that walks by me next year is getting, getting it. Yeah. That's another thing. Cause we started passing does too, you know, and trying to bank on shooting does kind of later in the year. Um, just because, uh, you know, we were out buck hunting there early in the year and um, <laughs> yeah, like you said, I mean, you might go a while without even drawing back on a deer. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I definitely think that Dave, to, to kind of get back to the, uh, the topic at hand of 2019 going in, did you have any goals or stuff you were really changing up and you again are kicking your mic stand and I'm going to punch you in the nuts. Not moving. Dude, you must be hitting a cup or something next to the phone or kicking the floor and it's resonating up. I don't know. Dave is not our technical expert over there, guys. I do apologize. Stay here and hold it. Um, yeah, going into the 19th season, um, one thing that I kind of wanted to focus on, um, you know, it's kind of corny, um, but it, it basically was a mindset thing for me to stay disciplined. Um, you know, that's that's waking up early, you know, not pressing snooze, you know, four or five times because then you're running late and then you're running around. You know, it was staying up late the night before and getting all your stuff packed and ready and ready to go before you head out to the woods the next morning. Um and then once you're in the woods, you know, just being disciplined enough to, to, to go to that spot that you want to go to, you know, to, to make that climb up that hill, to not, not give up and go three quarters of the way and, and just call it good, you know, because, you know, you'll get in that mindset when you start to get tired that your mind will convince you to, to do the lazy thing, you know, when you're tired. You know, you'll think of every excuse in the book when you're tired, you know. My alarm's going off at, at 2 a.m. in the morning. You know, you'll sit there and contemplate, well, is it too windy to go hunting? You know, you'll just contemplate all these things, you know, but if you're not disciplined, you know, you're liable to stay at home a, a couple times a year and that's all it takes. 
is those two, three days of the year that you could go that you don't, that, that you end up, you know, missing out on your opportunity. And so I just wanted to stay disciplined um, in the 19th season, um, you know, kind of a corny thing, but something I worked on. No, I don't think mental toughness, discipline, I don't think that stuff's talked enough about it in bow hunting. You know, I, it's just not sexy. But, Dave, why was this like a focus? Why do you, Did you feel like that was a key ingredient for not being successful uh, for, for, for a handful of seasons there? Um, I guess I just, you know, you think back, um, you know, we have families and, you know, lives and, and wives and children at home and stuff. So, you know, hunting's already limited. And then you just – if, if you for some reason don't go one day that you could have went because of some stupid reason, say you woke up late or something, which has happened to me in the past, and then you end up not going, and then that's just – you're just decreasing your already lim- – you, you already have such a small chance of doing things, you know. Why just decrease it even more, you know, your chances to kill just by be, just basically being lazy? You know, I just wanted to, you know, cut out all those, no more – mistakes no more not going hunting because i was too lazy or tired or no no more not going to the right spot and i just really wanted to make sure that i could did everything in my power and you know to to try to put myself in the game yeah yeah no i i, I hear you there i think uh i think it was a, a whole i i do think you pushed it and and you know something that that i feel like is worth mentioning is you know, you, you definitely had a couple of those hunts where you'd be hunting Indiana, drive back, get back at midnight, get up the next day and go. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more of that story later. Uh, I do feel that's why you were successful um, in 2019. But um, you also switched up a few things and, and kind of started playing playing with the saddle. Can you talk about maybe, oh, going into saddle hunting, what that looked like? Were you hesitant uh, filming from a saddle? Um weaknesses about saddle hunting versus being in a stand because we've hunted out of you know hang-ons for for several years now and, and a climber is really dominant before that yeah um you know when when the saddle craze kind of started going around you know we um you know we we obviously you know we saw it firsthand just through social media and stuff um we weren't hit the saddle hunting a long time ago like some people <laughs> say they were <clears throat> so when it started getting um kind of kind of popular you know, we saw it and kind of started talking about it. Um, that really, honestly, as, as bad as it sounds, the only the only reason I was hesitant to even start it is because is because of how like popular it came. You know, like you don't want to just like fall into the uh, the cult the following. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, ah, I'm not saddling. You know, ah. and then I just finally was like, well, I'm gonna try it. You know, so I picked up a used one, uh, used saddle. And then I got the um, the Lone Wolf Custom Gear platform, and um, I kind of started messing with it at home and, and made some stuff. Um, I actually talked with Walt uh, quite a bit um, about getting set up and, you know, getting my bridge and all that stuff uh, ready to roll. And then I started messing with it, and then I went out and started hunting with it. Um, I probably started – basically, after I killed my buck, I went – I think I went strictly saddled the rest of the season. Note you killed your buck from a tree stand. Yeah, I'm not anti saddle, but I I, I do <laughs> lean towards stand is, is where it's at. Yeah, I did kill my buck from a stand. Um, I do like the saddle though. Um, you know, I I think in 2020, I think I'll probably be primarily saddle. Um, I think 
you know, I guess that could change. There are some advantages and disadvantages, I think. Um, I mean, we could talk about this for a while and make this a whole podcast itself. But, um, you know, um, just know there are some advantages and disadvantages, I think, to both. Um, the whole being able to, like, shoot 360 advantage that they saddle people claim is, like, the big shebang, you know, of why you should do it. You know, that's not really, like, a big point for me. Um, because I feel like out of a stand, a lot of times you can shoot most way around the tree anyways. Um, so, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll continue to use the saddle the rest of the year. Is there anything specific you want me to touch on yeah, there? Like, what would you say percentage going into next year? You're going to hunt from a saddle 70, 80% of the time. I know you really talk about the, uh, the fact that you can strap four of those little mini sticks on that saddle and, and you're looking at getting a better backpack just to, uh, yeah. be able like an internal frame or, or something like that to be able to carry it. And, and you talk about how like minimal profile that could, could look like for you because when you're carrying standing sticks and, and, and um, kind of, you know, some of the pain in the ass factor there is just your, your profile off your back, ducking under branches, maneuvering. Um, that's something you really talk about is, 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 is a nice advantage for saddle transport. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you touched on it right there. I mean, that's just having basically when your profile is literally your backpack, you know, whatever backpack you got on is the biggest thing sticking out, you know, basically. I mean, you can uh, you can just you can just weave and bob your way through the brush and stuff. No problem. You ain't got to worry about stuff clanging off your stand. You know, I mean, how many times have you just been kind of ducking through some stuff and I don't know, a piece of honeysuckle grabs your sleeve and then flings back and ping, you know, yeah. hits the stand or something. And you're just like, what the hell? And then, you know, this is just, I mean, you can, you can crawl through stuff with, with, with the, you know, saddle versus stand. I mean, you know, we hunt some pretty thick stuff. So, you know, maybe not everybody does, but it's, it's a pain in the ass when you got to stand on your back trying to get through that thick stuff. Yeah. What's kind of funny is I'm sitting here thinking about it. Like I really prefer the, the, the transport more and we'll call it farm farm country. But it's like in farm country, I feel like I want to jam that tree stand into those tight little windows where I don't want say a bridge or extra ropes or the bullshit of the saddle. And true, I do lean to more towards stand, but it's like, I see the advantage for transport in farm country. But most times if I look at my, my pins and my setups, I want the stand once I get there. Yeah. I think if you're like um, tucking into like a small tree, um, you know, it's like one of those, like, say, say you're eight to 12 feet above like a, some brushy CRP or something like that tucked into like a six inch diameter tree. I mean, yeah, you're probably better off, yeah, you're better off to hang a, hang a, hang a stand than that. Um, but I think for the most part and most of the stuff I hunt, I think the saddle, you know, is a little bit better. Not to keep the, to, to divert this conversation, but like I tend to hunt some small trees and, uh, one of my best hunts, Dave texted me in the morning, stop hunting these dumb small trees. And I went in there and I had three bucks under 25 yards and one was like 120 inch eight. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> like, I think you like, we're like beginning of the year, like I'm just going to hunt the smallest stuff I can, eight feet off the ground, six feet off the ground every hunt just to, just to do it. And you, you did it like the whole season. I was like, go hunt a normal tree. What are you doing? I think one of your follow-up texts was, you've been killing big, or you've been killing good bucks for the last couple of years out of normal-sized trees. What the hell are you doing? 
yeah, like why change it up? <laughs> but I will point out my 2018 buck was a smaller tree in a thicket. And my second best hunt of 2019 was out of a small tree in a thicket. Do whatever you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good, man. Um, so, yeah, um, I think it's worth noting, um, obviously, you went to the Lone Wolf Custom Gear mini sticks, and, and you pack those a little different. We plan to shoot a video on this. Um, you like the fact that those pack up super nice, but you pack them four almost like in a brick. Yeah, I put five, I put five of them, just one on top of another, um, you know, so they have those, yeah, just put them all, like, literally just one on top of another, and then use one of those um, little, little gear ties around them, and that's it, because they have those grommets that, that they, they, you know, they don't hold them completely, but they hold them snug together, and then just one of those gear ties around all five of them, and that's it, those straps, you know, nothing's needed, and then what I do is I have, like, a small pouch that I hook onto my saddle and that has all my straps in it and i go buckleless method and i just um you know go up the tree and, and just hang them one by one like that i you know i hook them like a you know paracord loop that i have tied onto my my saddle so i hook my extra sticks on like that just you know we've done that for years yeah now i will say this i feel like oh out of the i don't want to beat the saddle stuff too much actually i'm gonna i'm gonna divert again now do you plan to run oh four minis with eighters this year or are you going to stick with your five and your one long eighter on the bottom what's uh what do you think and obviously what backpack too are you looking at to 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 go and possibly purchase and what's your system going to look like next year um i'd like to get a mystery ranch pack um i think i'm going to go with the sawtooth that's got that um and then basically i'll put my my saddle and my sticks like basically in the middle of it i think where the see i don't have the pack yet so it's hard for me to say sure um you know uh last year i was able to um basically use my external straps on my xop pack and like weave them through my um platform and then and then strap my clothes on the outside but then i was able to the, when, you, when you have those mini sticks in like a brick, the way the standoffs are set at and the way that, um, that Lone Wolf custom saddle platform is, you can almost nestle them sticks uh, right in behind the, the platform. Like the standoffs um, are the perfect width apart. Uh, as they're the exact same width apart as the platform is, so they can just nestle right in together pretty well. Um, it's hard to explain over the, over the, yeah, if anybody's really wanting to know it, they can go look online or message you or something. You can shoot yeah, yeah. what your pack system looks like. Yeah. But then with the aiders, um, I don't have those cable aiders. Uh, I want to try those cable aiders this year that they came out with. Um, if that's the case, then I might, I might lose a stick or two off of it. But right now I'm carrying five sticks and I just use an aider on the bottom, um, okay. either single or double aider on the bottom stick i don't like to mess with aiders up in the tree you know i don't like um you know straps flapping around i don't want to carry the aider up with me and have like a movable aider because i'd just be scared to death to drop it and then you're screwed you can't get back down. <laughs> you know i've never heard that talked about on any of those uh no facebook groups and stuff like that yeah. that is too funny i mean i'm sure there's a way maybe you know like i don't know to make to just do a 
you know, make sure it doesn't fall. But man, I, if you, if you drop that thing, you know, now you got your sticks spaced out six feet apart. How are you going to get, how are you going to do that? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like uh, back in the day when the climber bottom dropped out on you. Yeah, exactly. You just got to <laughs> yeah, I did have that happen. I, my forearms, you know, hurt just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I had me up down that tree like a bear. <laughs> oh, that's that's good. Um, and anybody who's hunted from a climber long enough knows that, like, when that bottom, like, either slips and, like, you did attach that 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 rope or whatever attachment system to the the top to the bottom so it can't fall you're like oh thank god but like <laughs> there's a, probably a a decent amount of people out there that, that have hunted from climbers that have had that thing drop at, at some extent and had to, to, to figure out how to get down <laughs> yeah yeah i had the strap you know the strap that you stuck your bottom feet under it, it i was trying to pull it up over a knot and it just snapped and that <laughs> part of it just all the way down to the ground man and i was just sitting there on my you know on my hands on the top piece just like well what am i going to do now this is this is all in the dark you know opening day <laughs> happened first day of season i had a debacle <laughs> are you like holding the dip position yeah basically you know i was yeah i was i was like holding that like that and then yeah and i just kind of i wiggled my way around to where i was hanging from my top piece and then I just wrapped my feet and arms around the tree and just shimmied down. And I, this was, you know, I was at basically at the top, like where I was getting set up at. So I was, you know, 18, 20 feet up. Oh, God. And, and it had to be a decent-sized tree climbers, you know. It's not like a little skinny guy like you can hunt out of now. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was like – it was, you know, basketball size, maybe a little bigger. Okay. Okay. Then, that's, that's too funny. Yeah, but then I I retied that strap and climbed back up. He's <laughs> up there twenty feet just chilling, and I just used my my arms and my bottom piece my climber. And see, I just see, back. you bear climbed down the tree, got your bottom section, and then bear climbed to the top back to your your upper portion of your climber. Yeah, so I was using the bottom piece, so I would bear hug the tree and then just like lift myself up like you know two three inches. Then I'd move my bottom rung up as high as I could and then just did that all the way back up just with the bottom piece of a climber. Oh my gosh. That's, that's there before daylight. I got there before daylight and I passed on two good bucks that day, you know, bucks that I shouldn't have been passing on at this time. Same morning, two, two good bucks came by and um, they went right towards uh, uh, my Matt, my buddy. And, uh, and he ended up missing one of them actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice, man. That's too funny. Yeah. This opening day bucks in the morning. Yeah, there was, a, it, was a, it was a whole group of deer. It was two bucks and like four does. Okay. It was kind of weird. I mean, I don't know why they, they, I'm, it was opening day. They probably got bumped, you know, um, from another access point or something. I don't know why they would have just been on their feet all together like that. But by okay. the time they, they were just browsing through, you know? Sure. Okay. okay. They got bumped 700 yards away and then just kind of made their way to me. Okay, so we are approaching the twenty-minute mark. I want to touch on a few things and, and get you buck kill, but let's talk about um. You hunted Indiana a few times on what I call like single-day hunts, where where you would get up at midnight, drive overnight, hunt it, and that way you you got to hunt it. And I think you and I are kind of on the same page. Well, we're looking at out of state. We we kind of realize that if you can drive there and, and and get there a little more often or frequent, you you it's a little 
it seems like it's better hunting just because you, you get a little more familiarity with a piece. You're, you're there more so you can scout it more. Like it's just, it, it takes, I feel like at first we were picking locations based on destination and, and now we're really factoring in drive times. Talk a little bit about some of these hard one day hunts um, over in Indiana this year. Yeah. I mean, I did it. Um, I did it. I think I only hunted there once before I killed. Um, but then afterwards I did it, you know, a handful more times. I mean, I would even do it just for a morning hunt, you know, and just, you know, like you said, man, it's, it's kind of tough. You know, you're, you're waking up at midnight, literally, you yeah. know, drive four hours, you know, hiking into the woods and then hunting for a morning hunt and then driving home. But I mean, but I had some encounters, you know, it's, it's, I, I easily could have killed um, by doing that uh, in Indiana. Yeah. Well, it's just, we, you have, to, you have to, you know, you just have to, you just have to do it. That's how you get the odds in your favor. That's the only, the only chance you have to, to be successful doing that is just by going, you know, if you set up, I mean, we, we both talked about um, the Jason Samkoviak podcast he just did, you know, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. If you, you have to get out there and go, if you don't, you're just, you'll never go. You know, because you'll want everything to be perfect. You're out there just chasing perfection. Oh, well, I got to have the perfect day, the perfect weather, the perfect full week stretch. Then it has to be during the rut, you know, yeah, and yeah. I want to get to a campground and set up my tent and do all this stuff, you know, to, so I can go and hunt another state. And you're just like, you end up not hunting, you know, just, just make the drive and just, I mean, you'll lose sleep and you'll put miles on your vehicle, but, but that's it, you know, yeah. that's, that's all you're losing. But that also kind of goes back to some of that mental toughness you talked about early in the episode where, uh, you know, you kind of got to suck that shit up for like two days. You know, you got to hunt hard and realize, okay, out of the next seven days, I got a two day or one day window or a morning that my wife and life allows for it. I'm going to get up at midnight and get, you know, get after it. Yeah. I mean, the hunting season itself isn't very long and, and the rut is, is minuscule. It, yeah, you literally blink and, and the rut's gone. I mean, if, if, between October 25th and I'll say November 25th in that month of season, you need to go whenever you can, you know, period. I mean, I don't care if you, you know, I mean, you can be tired, sleep until eight, you know, you know, drive and and go hunt and not even get in the woods till 9am, 10am. I mean, who cares? You know, it's, you know, it's the rut. You don't even have to take a stand. Just go walk around. I mean, you got to do something. You got to get out that time of year whenever you, yeah, 2018, I did some of those single-day missions to, to Indiana where I had, like, a morning free, and uh, I threw a dart. I'd never been to the place. Drove there in the dark, threw a dart, climbed a hill, had to go around some some honeysuckle, and I seen one deer and a coyote, and then I was basically still hunting, and I ended up passing, like, a 115-inch buck. Like, he was a, maybe – nah, he was probably more 100, 110. But I had yeah. him at 25 yards, and, like, I had him dead to rights where I could have got the draw on him, like, if that buck's 10 inches bigger, he dies. And I, I killed just from throwing a dart on a uh, November 3rd morning. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and it, and it wouldn't be, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not outlandish to say that that, that, that could happen. You know, you could just easily stumble across a good buck out moving that time of year. Yeah. I mean, you know, easy. I mean, it's just a matter of being in the woods. Yeah. So let's talk uh, about about your your buck miss here in Ohio and um, walk us through maybe what happened. What do you think went right to create that encounter? And then 
if you if you had to pinpoint a few things that that maybe caused the the hitch and the giddy up and then what you learned from it i think would be a a cool um conversation piece yeah um you know so november 1st i'll go back a day prior november 1st i went to indiana um you know got up at midnight drove three four hours walked in the woods got in there and i hunted that i hunted that entire day in indiana sun up to sundown um then you know then drove home you know didn't get home till 11 midnight so at that point i was up you know basically almost 24 hours <laughs> then it went to sleep for probably three hours then got up and hunted november 2nd morning here in ohio um and that was a morning that I, that I missed a really big one. Um, I could point the finger at 8,000 excuses, you know, like the first one right there being tired. But uh, so I went to a spot, basically, um, it's a good morning spot because it runs, the, the bucks run this shelf basically above this doe bedding area. And it's like that they run perpendicular to this doe bedding area. I've kind of um, hunted this general area for years, so I've kind of got the bucks figured out what they do um, a little bit during the rut. Um, they run they run this perpendicular ridge to this to this doe bedding area, basically. In the mornings, they'll do that. I think they're just cutting tracks, trying to catch some does that you know went um, down into that thicket throughout the throughout the night that might have been hot. So they're kind of just cutting deer trails, and they're just running it perpendicular and just cutting as many trails as possible. Um, and that's what this buck was doing. Um, but they also, there's also some scrapes along there that you can, you know, there's a couple major scrapes that you sit along and then, you know, and then the, the doe bedding thick area is actually at the bottom. So as the day progresses, um, it actually even gets better in the afternoon because then you get those thermals rising and then they're, then they're running that same shelf in order to, you know, scent check that doe bedding area. Um, yeah, but pretty good spot this is not like the upper third like you hear get preached and 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 talked about all the time i think you know we may have hunted this area or, or you've you've learned to dial it into to more on the uh well probably about halfway down this 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 hill it's not necessarily that traditional upper third cruising shell yeah the upper third i think some i think um some people take that too literal you know because you, there, there is always going to be a shelf, you know, a, you know, upper third is, is a good starting point to try to find that cruising shelf on any kind of ridge line. But, but you got to hunt it to find out where the deer are actually traveling and using it. You know, it might be for a lot of reasons. There might be a hiking trail um, somewhere on that hillside. There might be um, just a good row of vegetation of like green briars and maybe they'll be traveling down more in the green briars rather than up in the open stuff. Um, you know, there's, there's always a reason why they travel a certain elevation on the hillside and, um, you know, the upper third is a good place to start, but that's, don't take that so literal though, I guess. Okay. So um, let's get, let's get back to this, this buck encounter. You yeah. see him at, at what distance, how does he close? What went wrong here in the, 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 the final 10 seconds? Walk me through a few of these things. So he actually came through a little higher, um, than, than I was. And he came. So let's say I'm facing, we'll say I'm facing up the hill and he comes through right to left, um, about 60 to 70 yards up the hill from me. And he kind of works his way to maybe like 50 at one point, but then he kind of, 
he disappears off into um, – he goes up and over, over a little mound, over a little roller, and I can't see him, and it's kind of thick too. So I hit some grunts at him. You know, I've never, I've never grunted in deer. You know, I'll rattle and grunt sometimes, but I don't know. I don't have any proof to the effectiveness of it. <laughs> so I was like, well, let me throw some grunts at him, see what happens. People do this on TV all the time. So I was grunting, and sure enough, his ass turned around and came right back to me. I was like, I'll be damned. I can't believe that worked. And, and you so, saw him turn? No, I saw him basically. He, so he disappeared over the hill, and then I grunted a few times. I waited till he got out of sight. I didn't want to do a lot of moving. I didn't want to um, – I didn't want to grunt at him if he was going to come to me anyways. I wasn't sure – because he was kind of milling around at this point, and I was like, what is he doing up there? I could just see flicks here and there. And then, then, I, then I lost him. I figured he went up and over. He was kind of in the thick stuff. Okay. And so couldn't see him there for a minute or so. So then I grunted. Um, I'm not even sure how I grunted. I'm not sure what, like, noise I made exactly. Um, I don't think I did. I did not do like a tending grunt. I just did like a basic, a, your basic grunt, I guess. Um, and then he, then he, here he comes, you know, he comes back over the hill. He's coming right to me at this point. Um, he, he literally comes directly to me, like on a rope. He kind of has to go down and up this little dip, which was perfect because then it put him broadside at like seven yards. Okay, so so you pick this deer up after he's kind of meandered off at 50. You see him coming back to you at what distance, and then he's all of a sudden at seven yards. Uh, when do you, you know see this? I mean, they close the distance. It, 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 they close the distance so fast. Sure. You know? <laughs> okay, so he's coming through at seven yards. You realize he's a shooter um, from everything oh, yeah. I've talked to you about. This, this buck's solid 140-plus. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, realistically – I wouldn't count out if he wasn't, you know, 160, 170. You know, I don't know. It, you know, it, obviously adrenaline, everything's pumping. But, but I wouldn't have been shocked if I walked up on him and it was 170-inch deer. I mean, it was big. Sure. You know, it, you know, it could have been – I could have had ground shrinkage. Ground shrinkage would have put him at 140, put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So he's coming through at seven yards. What what happens next in, in the debacle that ensues? And if anybody wants to see this reaction to missing a deer at seven yards, please watch our YouTube video. You will see, as as Brian Broderick describes, Braveheart face paint and eight f bombs in a matter of two seconds. <laughs> Literally, man. So so there's a, um, a a huge oak, like a you know like a three foot diameter oak, right in front of me. And um, which was perfect because he got behind that and I was able to get the draw perfectly fine, you know, great. Um, Cause when they're coming at you like that, it's hard to, it's hard to get to draw a lot of times. I mean, that's like, I mean, that, I mean, it's damn near impossible at times. So he, he turns broadside and he's going left to right now at, at seven, eight yards, gets behind that big tree. I draw and he gets um, basically, I did not stop him. I um, was going to just shoot him just, you know, on the walk. Um, he was, you know, walking pretty slow. And um, I basically, as soon as – and it's a steep angle, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm leaned over pretty good. As soon as I went to, to hit the trigger, I kind of like had like a double pump on my bow. Like I just wasn't keeping back tension, you know. Mm -hmm. When you creep over and it kind of – 
Yeah, just because I only down, you know, my adrenaline. I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't thinking through my shot process, you know, properly. Um, eight million things, man. I had my, I, 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 I did something stupid, and I put my glove on like after my release too, and that morning. So it was kind of like a bunched up mess on my release, and I just didn't think about it. Um, you know, just nothing went right. And so literally as I'm about to shoot, shoot, I kind of like, I flinched because my bow started let down and my finger was already on the trigger and it shot, shot off and it shot right, right in front of him. Basically, I, I watched the arrow just go right into the ground right beside him. You know, I missed, I ended up pulling right when I did that. If I would have pulled left, I would have still killed him. You know, because the way he was facing yeah. Being that close, you know, I only missed right. I shot right in front of his chest, basically, right into the dirt. And and he ran off, and you know, I cried, and <laughs> it was it was upsetting. And I definitely I retired like three times. <laughs> I was like, I'm done, dude. What 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 am I doing here? I get I get him at seven yards, and I can't shoot him. Like, why am I wasting my time? I mean, yeah. that's how I felt, you know, at the time. I'm like. You know, and not only that, but I had I had been I had been hunting Indiana the whole day before. I was on like two three hours of sleep. Then, then I, you know, I'm doing all this, you know, all this hard work, and I and then I get one at seven yards, and I blow it, and I'm just like defeated beyond defeated at this point. Like I don't even know why I'm hunting. That was my thought process. I think I called like four people and told them all I'm never hunting again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did it make you feel any better? I missed one the same day. Well, so that didn't make me feel better necessarily, but so, so yeah, you, so you, you, you ended up hitting one that day and I came out, I ended up driving out. I went straight from the woods there because at that point I retired. I was not hunting the rest of that evening. You know, I was done. So I was like, well, I'll come help you try to track this buck you shot. Yeah. We, we thought he was potentially dead, but. And that's what, you know, and I'll tell you what, and then we started blood trailing and stuff. And then, you know, and just, um, just being in the woods, blood, blood trailing, you know, like I enjoy that stuff, you know, like sometimes I enjoy that stuff more than the actual hunt itself, you know, the scouting, the blood trailing, the, um, you know, the other aspects of hunting, you know, I enjoy greatly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of, you know, that's really the only reason that I stayed motivated. If I would have just went home that day, and sat in my sorrows, you know, I would have, some beers. I definitely would not have went hunting that next day, but going out there and helping you blood trail that deer was like, you know what? I do enjoy this. Like I need to get over that stupid miss. You know, I love being out here and you know, this blood trailing, you know, trying to find the bucky shot, you know, that just, you know, kept me encouraged to, to keep going and keep hunting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what would you say is your, your, your couple takeaways from this uh, missed encounter as far as like learning points, stuff you're going to do different going forward? Just I feel like that that's a huge learning lesson. And, and you know, I think even from your camera arm setup stuff, uh, maybe, you, you know, you'll take a little more serious putting on that bow release. Talk to me about that. Yeah, just all those mistakes that you mentioned. I mean, I didn't get any of this on film because um, – I was in between two camera arms at the time. I was waiting on um, my new one Let's to come. Let's talk about that piece of shit hawk arm. Yeah, exactly. So I, I normally use I, – I was using the hunting beast arm for a while. I sold it, and I had ordered the uh, the modern assassin arm. 
or I don't, what's it called? The region. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and um, that took a little longer to get to me than expected originally. So I was in limbo at the time with no arm and I, and we have a Hawk arm that we used to use a couple years ago, kind of as a backup. So I took it out with me and I had that thing on there, man, as, I mean, you know, it's got that ratchet strap, you know, you, you hammer that ratchet strap down. You're like, okay, this ain't moving nowhere. As soon as I extended my arm out, you know, I guess I didn't like fully test it and stuff. You know, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I just didn't, I didn't go through all the steps to make sure that that was perfectly right, which there's a lot of steps because that arm sucks. So it's hard to get it perfectly right initially. And I didn't, I didn't make sure it was pulled for perfectly right. And then as soon as I went to extend that arm out to try to film that buck, it, it freaking moved on me. And then, so now I got this, so the whole time this buck's out there, I'm trying to watch him through my binos, the camera arms, you know, just swinging around, doing whatever the hell it wants to do behind me. I end up just pushing that thing out of the way. Like I'm not letting this camera arm stop me from this deer. So and that was a whole debacle there. I mean, I could have been um, a little more prepared with my gear that morning to make sure my camera arm was correct. Um, you know, that way I wouldn't have been jacking around with that. Then plus I'll jack around with that. That's probably why I ended up slipping that glove on over top of my release and not doing that properly. And it's just, it was a mistake after mistake, Okay. you know, not keeping my back tension properly when, when that buck was in, I mean, I could obviously just practice shooting more throughout the, throughout the summer and practice those steep angle shots. Okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah. You, you yeah you know and i just it just i just blew it kind of as simple as that i mean i could blame it on any of those those you know things that happened but you know i I had him at seven yards what are you gonna do yeah Yeah, nobody's fault for yours at that point and i got to full draw i mean that's the hard part when they're that close is to get drawn back you know i was drawn anchored everything and then just missed it on the on the shot itself yeah but, you know, like I said, you know, and then I went and helped, helped you blood trail that deer. And, uh, you know, and then I got up that next morning. And then that next morning was when I killed my buck. Yeah. So, so I very easily could have not went that day. Yeah. And to paint a picture for everyone, too, like we both probably missed our biggest bow bucks today on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. The same morning. Same morning. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that next day, um, I got up early, uh, and then I went and I went to a completely new spot. I was kind of just like trying to <laughs> new day, new me type of thing. <laughs> like, screw it, I'm going somewhere different. I went somewhere blind, I was kind of just thick stomping in the morning, you know. Um, and I kind of just I literally had everything off my back, and I was about to climb a tree. and. I just, I didn't like it. You know, I was like, Nope, I don't like it. And so I packed everything back up again and went up this steep, a little, uh, Creek bank kind of this, I mean, it was a pretty, it was a hill and I got to the top and I kind of flattened out and there was like, kind of like a pond thing that kind of had them funneled on this little, you get a steep, steep bank and you got a little flat top and then you got like a pond. So I was like, okay, they're, they're kind of going to funnel through here. And I saw like two rubs and I was like, that's all I need to see. I'm climbing this tree. You know, this is all in the dark in the morning. And I climbed up and then, you know, 
and then that buck and that doe came right in and I shot him. Dude. Yeah. And that, and that's a game changer. Yeah. You know, that was just, yeah. And then <laughs> the thing is, man, I almost didn't get that buck because, cause he came directly at me and, yeah. and he saw the stick. I think he saw my sticks on the tree. I think, you know, yeah. He was behind the tree. That's another thing. You know, we talked about the saddle and stand. I was in the stand that day and he was directly behind me and I was still able to shoot him. Yeah. Oh, it was because it wasn't, I mean, as long as you're not hunting a big, really, really big tree, you can shoot pretty much behind you out of a stand. If you just like lean over to the side. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he comes right at me and gets to like, he's at like, I don't know, six yards and just stops in his tracks. Cause he's, I think he sees my sticks on the tree right in front of him. He's like, what the heck's that? You know? And he kind of, bounces back he turns his head away gives me a chance to draw well and then that was the whole thing too with the camera and that was a whole debacle yeah. as well but um but yeah i was able to uh complain to me about audio and you got dogs over there going crazy <laughs> but uh, yeah basically i ended up uh that bug gave me he gave me a second chance you know he did the whole um, you know, bounce back 10, 10 yards or whatever and, and let me get a, get a, get a shot at him. But, but he could have easily have just left, you know, as soon as he saw them sticks, something went right. He could have been like, I'm getting out of here, you know, but he just took those, you know, went back that 10 yards or so and gave me that second chance at him, man. I'll tell you what, if, if he would have, if he would have ran off <laughs> and that would have happened two days in a row where I missed the job, then I got that buck comes in at five yards and he runs off, dude. I was liable to have jumped out the tree that day. Uh, I hear you. So our delivery guy just showed up. So I, I hit I hit my mute button on my mic. I, I know Wes embarked a few times, but maybe I saved some of the audio. We, we we don't claim to be the highest production podcast out there. No, not at all. But we do hunt, so we can talk about yeah. hunting and, and scouting and deer and public land. But anyways, let's uh, – Dave, I think this is a good point to, to kind of jump off here. I think uh, – Oh, I think we've talked about a couple of these major points and, and, and you know, I think that this is a good stopping point for today, but, uh, you know, good luck in the Turkey woods. If you're out there, um, by all means, uh, we appreciate all the comments and likes and, and the feedback we're getting from the podcast. I uh, really appreciate that. And team harder and bucks we're out.